This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchful News. It's Friday, February 17th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, putting Fetterman's announcement into political context. Number two, Congress heads to Munich. And number three, the NRCC's big fundraising bash. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We are leading Punchbowl News AM this morning with, um, I think, a really important top uh, because obviously in light of Senator John Fetterman's uh, announcement Thursday that he was being hospitalized for depression, uh, a huge announcement, but also a dramatic departure from the norm, particularly when it comes to politicians uh, and what we've seen just over history where there's usually so much you know, a, a sense that people cover things up. They lie about the severity of their personal problems, propped up by family and staff oftentimes. Um, this is a huge departure for an institution, uh, you know, it, particularly when it comes to mental health. Yeah, so um, John Fetterman, his office announced yesterday that he had um, checked himself in to Walter Reed Medical Center, uh, the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, to receive treatment for clinical depression. Um, remember, um, just for context, Fetterman had a stroke during his 2022 Senate campaign, um, was sidelined and while well, he recovered. Um, then last week or two weeks ago, um, last week, I guess, he was um, hospitalized for lightheadedness after a Senate Democratic policy retreat at the Library of Congress. And um, he he says that his his office says that he was evaluated by Brian Monahan, the attending physician of, of Congress, the head doctor of that treats members of Congress. And Monahan recommended inpatient care at Walter Reed. And John agreed and he is receiving treatment on a voluntary basis. They say he will be back to himself soon. Now it's interesting that you know I felt you and I both felt strongly about addressing this this morning in, in the AM edition. We reported on it kind of in a only the facts man, matter or manner on um, in our Thursday evening edition. A few things to point out here: um, struggles with mental health have become, I would say, marginally more more mainstream to go public with them in recent years. I think people have been just more open about struggles that they have. And that's a good thing um, because um, having mental health problems is not anyone's fault. It's a, it's, it's, it's just, it's a fact of life, but Congress is an institution where people cover things up. I mean, there are members who last way too long past their, past, you know, their, their normal ability to serve, um, uh, normally, I would say is the best way to say it. Um, people kind of just take leaves without saying what's up. Um, and it, it, it's admirable and, and it's certainly a departure from the norm that Fetterman says, you know, I, I've got issues right now. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit and I need help and I need to get to, I need to get the help that I need. Um, we don't see that too often, right? I mean, we see people, you know, 
take leaves of absence and 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 then suddenly they're they're quite sick i mean we all know you know there are older members um who struggle with everyday tasks and remain in office because the people sent them there and i think that's you know this is a very type a city anna um and uh, showing any vulnerability is um is shunned on is is just is just not it's just not something that um is done and and i think i think that's not great i think that's not great and i think that fetterman took the opposite tack here yeah, it's. Um, I think everything you point out is is really important, and I think you also saw, you know, uh, other members coming forward, um, supporting uh, Fetterman's decision to kind of publicly and his staff's decision to publicly address this uh, in a way uh, that that just is, as you noted, you know, typically doesn't happen. You had, you know, Representative Richie Torres uh, of New York also talked about being hospitalized for depression following uh, Fetterman's announcement. Um, and so hopefully, you know, I, I think obviously we, we we're dealing with the mental health crisis in this country right now when it comes to the uh, children and um, a, a lot of different different folks coming out of COVID dealing with, you know, isolation. And this is just hopefully, I think, uh, an indication that people will hopefully feel like, you know, they too can, one, get the help that they need and two, that they're going to be supported um, if they if they need to do that, the, that to, to help get better. And I, I would also just say one more thing, hopefully for people on the Hill, which is, by the way, the Hill's a demanding job, both for reporters, for aides, for members. Um, hopefully people feel like this is like, uh, this paves the path a little bit to at least be open if you're struggling, because I think that's that's very important. Someone, you know, I, I recently, in the wake of this, someone said, you know, um, you need to be your best mental health self to be your best self and to work on things and to be just overall healthy. So hopefully this this gives people a the entree to get out there and to to get the help that they need. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Congress is heading to Munich. In droves, the Munich Security Conference uh, is going to look a lot like Capitol Hill this week, uh, this weekend, Jake, with a slew of members and senators headed to Germany for the annual foreign policy and security gathering. Yeah, the Munich Security Conference, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is there, Secretary of State Tony Blinken is there. The two top Senate leaders, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, going to Munich. Uh, heading to Germany, if they pro- they're probably already there or on their way there right now. Um, interestingly enough, let's start with Schumer. He is continuing on to Israel and India. This is his first Codel in a decade. <laughs> Schumer famously likes to be in New York and not in, you know, Munich and Paris and London and Tel Aviv and all those places, Jerusalem. Uh, so this is interesting for him. He is bringing. Uh, a bunch of Democratic senators, Catherine Cortez Masto, Maria Cantwell, Amy Klobuchar, Gary Peters, Jack Reed, Mark Warner, freshman Peter Welch, and Ron Wyden. That is a lo- that is a big codel. I mean, starting in D.C., going to Munich, um, Tel Aviv, and then India. I mean, he's going he's going around the world. It's Chuck Schumer's world tour. Uh, traveling with Mitch McConnell is Tom Tillis, Joni Ernst, and freshman senators Ted Budd, Mark Wayne Mullen. Katie Britt and Pete Ricketts. We know they're going to Munich. We don't know if they're going anyplace else. And then there's the big Codell, um, which is the, the White House, Sheldon White House, Lindsey Graham Codell, with uh, Dick Blumenthal, Chris Coons, John Cornyn, Durbin, that's Dick Durbin, Martin Heinrich, Chris Van Hollen, Mark Kelly, Angus King, Bob Menendez, Jim Risch, Gene Sheehy, Davi Tuberville, and David Cicilline. Uh, Can't that say that twice a, fast. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So, you know, if they need to conduct Senate business over there, they probably get, they probably have a quorum. 
uh, Speaker Emeritus, Emerita Nancy Pelosi, uh, is also attending the Munich Security Conference, um, she announced yesterday. Um, and that is a, um, that is a, a, a healthy delegation from the halls of the Congress to Munich. Um, Vice President Kamala Harris is already on the ground. As we note in the AM edition today, she's meeting with the, with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and uh, Emmanuel Macron, both in Munich, and she will hold a reception for the congressional delegations and uh, with Tony Blinken uh, in Munich. So if you're in Munich, we are not. Maybe we should have gone. I mean, where, Congre- where members of Congress go, we follow, but... Um, you know, I only came to that realization yesterday. <laughs> and you I did. Think last you did. You te- he texted me. Maybe we should be there. <laughs> a, a little a last, too late. Well, well Andrew Desiderio, uh, who covers the Senate for us, has a specific interest in foreign policy. So I think in the future, uh, we'll consider going on these, especially when, like, the entire U.S. Senate goes there. Because, you know, just one quick thing, and then we could move on. But when senators travel abroad, they're treated like prime ministers uh, because they just the Senate obviously has such a huge hand in foreign policy. Um, people like Lindsey Graham and um, Jack Reed, people who travel abroad all the time, are treated like like they have a huge role in foreign policy, which they do. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. Wow, the NRCC is hosting its annual winter fundraiser this weekend at the Ritz-Carlton in Key Biscayne, Florida. Uh, The whole House GOP leadership is attending, as are upwards of 90 Republican lawmakers. What a bash. Uh, And we have our hands on the eight-page attendee list. Uh, There is a lot of kind of bold-faced Washington power lobbyists that are going to be uh, decamping down to Florida for the weekend. Yes, a whole huge list. You should check it out. Another couple things to note about this. Um, More than 90 lawmakers are going on this uh, this trip. Uh, There's a bunch of also, interestingly enough, Anna, um, the whole leadership is going, which is not surprising. Um, But there's also a bunch of fundraisers on the sidelines of this event. Um, People who are... um, holding fundraisers like at pool bars and all sorts of stuff. So they're basically saying it's not enough. The NRCC is getting some cash. Bring your checkbook because I'm going to be holding a fundraiser too, which is a good use of time. Um, I've seen that a couple times. We've noted that a couple times in, in various editions. So this is a, this is a big weekend for the GOP in Key Biscayne, which is one of the barrier islands off of Miami. Very nice place. And I've been to Key Biscayne before. Uh, and I, I, uh, if it, you know, I guess I would like to be there, but you know we don't donate to, to to Republican or Democratic causes. But it's better than it's better than the rainy weather that I'm seeing right now in the five o'clock hour in Washington D.C. And now you can stay tuned for an added bonus. We have Jake Sherman in conversation with Brendan Peterson, uh, who has been helming our latest editorial project, The Leaders, uh, which we launched on Tuesday. They're going to talk about his profile of Oklahoma Republican Governor Kevin Stitt, who's making who's working to make his oil and gas state a leader in renewable energy production. We'll let him take it away. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Okay, Brendan Peterson uh, is not new anymore to Punchbowl News. He's been at Punchbowl News for a little bit. He covers financial services and all things economy. We call him his expertise because he has that expertise. And you know what? Uh, many of us don't. And Brendan is at the helm of a of an exciting project for us called The Leaders, uh, 
And it the first installment ran this week. Uh, Kevin Stitt, the governor of Oklahoma, Republican governor of Oklahoma. Brendan, why don't you tell us what the leaders is and then what you learned from uh, your reporting on Stitt and your reporting for the leaders? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, excited to make my, my uh, podcast debut. Uh, so the leaders uh, is going to be a series of profiles, basically. It's four people. Uh, we're going to talk to two Republicans and two Democrats um, who represent uh, a pretty wide swath of like what we consider to be different kinds of economies in this country, whether it's cities uh, and more rural areas and, and the places that are in between. And what we wanted to ultimately unpack with this project is how different leaders are setting up their local economies to grow, evolve, change, improve, whatever, um, kind of coming out of, of the pandemic, you know. And uh, from Stitt, talking to Kevin Stitt was really interesting because he is uh, the governor of Oklahoma. This is a oil and gas state down to its very, very bones. Um, it's a, a state with history that has sort of been defined in these boom and, and bust cycles. And uh, Kevin Stitt's whole thing is trying to diversify a lot of the state's energy economy. They, they don't want Oklahoma to stop being an energy economy, um, but they want to uh, break away from just oil and natural gas and, and fracking and that sort of thing. So he's been pushing hard for uh, a number of years now to make clean and renewable energy a bigger part of the state's economic profile. Um, and they've also been targeting manufacturers who are uh, you know, creating bits and pieces and components of the clean energy revolution or whatever you want to call it. So things like batteries for electric vehicles and the sort of parts that go into that electric car. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, but the thing he told me more than anything was, look, uh, Republicans know where R&D, research and development, tax dollars are going over the next several years and decades. It's, it's clean energy. It's, it's new forms of, of renewables that uh, are going to be leading the, the way for the next few years here. And a lot of that has to do with Congress and the Inflation Reduction Act and other big bills that have sort of uh, galvanized just what we're putting into climate change, uh, you know, preparations and, and all that stuff. Well, it's interesting because, you know, in one of our earlier projects, we we profiled David Holtz, who's the mayor of Oklahoma City. It's just interesting to me that and there's a through line here. Oklahoma is a conservative state. Uh, it's a Republican state. As you noted, it's an oil and gas state. I mean, many oil and gas um, uh, uh, producers, ex exploration uh, headquartered and anchored in Oklahoma. Um, but even someone like Holtz, who uh, the city of o Oklahoma City has uh, a a tax that it uses for infrastructure. So it's kind of interesting how the how the um, uh, econ how the the traditional lines are scrambled, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think um, Oklahoma's approach as a state is is you know reminiscent of, of that approach. You know, he certainly is not turning away from from oil and gas by any means. But a lot of it is the same advice you'd hear from uh, like your personal financial advisor, right? You want to have a diversified set of things that make your economy hum, and whatever they can do. Um, I, I think 
if, if my memory is, is correct, Kevin said that his state is the uh, sixth or seventh largest uh, producer of uh, wind energy at, at this point. Um, and there's a ton of potential for solar in that state. So, yeah, a lot of these, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of the sort of traditional culture war battle lines, especially around the environment. Um, they're going to just begin to shift as a matter of basic like business and, and government economics. They're just, we need to develop this stuff. And, and folks are realizing that more and more. And um, one of the um, kind of tenets of Republican energy policy has been for a long time, all of the above, right? Don't, don't, uh, we should be producing energy as a nation in every possible way. So it's not, I guess it's not terribly surprising that um, uh, it is a, um, that he is interested in other energy besides oil and gas. Brendan, I'm not going to ask you to reveal too much on who, who we have next in the the leaders, which is, I believe, a four-part series. Um, And but tell me a little bit, give me a sense of what we can expect, broadly speaking, without without ruining the surprises that we love at Punchbowl News. Yeah, sure. So uh, in terms of future uh, elected officials that we're going to speak to, um, it's not just uh, executives like in the governor's mansion. Um, it'll be some lawmakers, uh, some legislators in the mix. Um, we should have uh, at least one Congress person who is in the mix, which is exciting for our purposes, of course. Um, maybe the mayor of the major metropolitan area uh, could be in the mix. And um, I'll also say this in terms of the sort of things that we're talking about. Um, you know, the future of economic so-and-so is pretty broad, but um, we are talking to folks about workforce development, um, opportunities for small businesses, and, and you know what the role of federal versus state versus local policy is in the cultivation of small business. And we're also talking a lot about housing. Uh, housing, as you know, is a big issue for much of the country in terms of the supply of it, the cost of it. Um, and all these elected officials are thinking about how to address the, the, the very significant housing shortages that exist in their states more often than not. Um, and so I'm looking forward to sharing those solutions and ideas with, uh, with you all. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate it. It was great having you on The Daily Punch. Thank you.